Taking it back there. Sounds like a copyright strike. <laughs> oh my goodness. Welcome back to the Why Are You Laughing podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Obviously, you know why you're here. This is the song that I chose to make my friend feel more comfortable, but unfortunately, it has not worked. <laughs> it didn't work at all. It didn't. How did you like? I always wanted to ask you this. How did you ever even get into Alkaline Trio? Like when you started listening to them, let's uh, pretend I like think, the, like were well, you seventeen or were you older than that? Like when did they start coming around in your life? Um, I was probably sixteen or seventeen. I think my friend Mark Rona, he had one of their albums. He's like here, listen to this, and uh, he just gave it to us me and my younger brother at the time. And, um, that's, I think it was, yeah. Um, um, I think the album was good morning. That was the first one I heard by them. So whatever year that was, I think it was like about the year that it had come out. So that was the first alkaline trio album I heard. And it's still my favorite. That's usually how that works. Gotcha. wherever you're introduced i think we talked about this in the last podcast wherever you're introduced to a band in their catalog is usually their favorite your favorite album yeah i mean it's that happens a lot it's like the first the first album means so much to people you know it's it's funny right. how you it's know the first one you hear it doesn't matter if it's the, the band's first album it's the first one you hear which is interesting because you know you're you're obviously a fan uh when you you're a fan of most bands. It's it's like you're a fan till you die. So when you hear the new album, you have expectations or whatever. Mm. You know, what makes you keep going back to a band? Nostalgia, probably. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. Because I kind of feel mean, the same way. I keep going back to stuff that I listened to when I was even younger, like 13, 14, and I took a, a long break from a lot of that because it was terrible. <laughs> but you just you go back to it and you listen to it. And you're like, you know what? I don't even care if it's terrible. I like it because you know I liked it when I was 13 or 14 or whatever, and it was it was good then, and I still enjoy it. And everybody else's opinion can you know go pound sand. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel. I mean, it's like you know you can make all the jokes about Tom DeLonge that you want, but I'm not going to stop going to see Angels and Airways. Oh yeah, I mean. I, I don't hate him. I just, it's whatever, you know? It's but that's life. the thing. I spent a long time giving a lot of people crap about the stuff they listen to. And now, you know what? It's just not worth it. Really? You, you like what you like, except for you. Yeah, I was going to say, don't. You and, don't you, and, you and Green Day. Don't patronize me, okay? Honestly. <laughs> no. I can't I lie to you. I spent a long time. Well, I did not like the last Green Day album at all. I I didn't like it either, but I, I thought didn't it was hot garbage. It. Hot garbage. And I believe me, I've been a fan since, you know, early 2000s. So it's like, 
I'm over it. I really, really am over it. It's like I finally see yep. now what you were talking about all those years ago because, you know, you, <laughs> you came up with them and it's like, yeah, you know, and we've talked I mean, about this a I, thousand times, but it's like you, you I still always... think Dookie's a great album. I think it's good and a lot of people do hate on it, hate on them in general, but it's like sure. I like them. I like their older stuff. Don't particularly care for anything after that, but right, you know. Well, like when you listen to that, what attracted you to the album? To Dookie? I mean, I was probably fourteen when I heard it, so it was just different and rebellious or something. I don't know. Right. So, like the way you feel about Dookie is the way I feel about Insomniac and like Nimrod. You know, so, mm. so in 1997, and I'm going to talk about this during the documentary, but in 97, 98 is when I first heard their sound. You mm. know, so that's what attracted me to the group. And then when I, like, I didn't know who it was. I didn't know if it was Green Day or another yep. band or whatever, but I, I just heard them on the radio. But then, like, later in years, when I started to become a fan of them again, in 2004, right around that time is when American Idiot came out. And I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, this is a game changer. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I heard them in 97 or 98. It's the same band? Yeah. <laughs> I think the like... first the first song I actually heard and, like, made that connection, it wasn't even just, like, hearing it. I saw them playing it. It was, like, on MTV or something. It was Welcome to Paradise. Oh, and they were playing it live. At, like it was like a, some kind of snowboarding. I I don't know what it was. I'm pretty sure it was like a snowboarding show, and they were just like playing. I don't know. It was weird. And they played that song. I said, like, "Wow, that was really cool. I like that." And then went and bought the album. Which, for those who don't know, "Welcome to Paradise" was actually on Kerplunk, which was the was record it? before Dookie. Yes, Kerplunk came out before Dookie, and "Welcome to Paradise" was like a bonus track, or you know, one of the. And last then they ones put it on the album. And then they I put didn't it know on that. Dookie. Yeah. See? I think I still know how to play that up find a bass. See? <laughs> See? I'm not as dumb as I look, okay? <laughs> you think that I have a hat with a propeller, but I really don't. I actually know what I'm doing. The propeller's about. on the back. I can't see it. That's why. Oh, sheesh. <laughs> so, when you and I first met, I remember that you were very into uh, certain types of, I guess, expansions of punk, I guess is kind of the best way that I could put it, you know, where you were into um, Brand New and, you know, Alkaline Trio and Coheed and Cambria, you know, all these different bands. When you started playing the bass... What got you into that? Like, was it a certain type of style? Was it a certain type of, you know, feeling where you're like, I could be good at this, I could be good at that? What actually got you into playing bass? Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I love I loved Led Zeppelin. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> no, if you don't, then don't yeah. talk to me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Uh, there was, I was just telling this story actually to one of the guys at work when we were teenagers, me and my younger brother, Tom shared a room and I don't remember what year it was, but we were young. Like, I don't know. I might've been 11 or 12, but like that summer we had a 
old radio. It's like a little pink radio from like the 80s or something with a cassette deck on it. And he had, I want to say, I can't remember. It's the, whatever album has cashmere on it. Oh, uh, the one, one with all is. the windows. Hmm. What the heck was I, that one? I'm blanking out on it. But I think it was that album. And every single night that summer, he would put it on and we would listen to that album on a cassette tape. And for all you kids out there that don't know what a cassette tape is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, physical yeah, graffiti. That. Uh, that's that's the one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you listen to physical graffiti and then, you know, side one and then flip it and then play side two. Yeah. <laughs> While we're on that but subject, still... uh, not to interrupt you, but when you think about Led Zeppelin, you know, and their evolution of, you know, where they started to where they ended, when you look at CODA, when you think about CODA, which is kind of the end of the revolution of the Led Zeppelin thing, it's like, how how interesting was that as sort of a closer? Even though you knew that, you know, uh, John Bonham was eventually going to pass away, unfortunately, with the accident. But, like, when you listen to CODA, and you and I are huge Led Zeppelin fans, when you listen to the end record... And you know, kind of what's coming. Like, what's your thought process when you think about that sort of thing? Like, because I don't really the difference. No, I never really thought about it. The difference. I didn't like Coda. <laughs> you didn't like Coda, so the well, I yeah. mean, like, I'm saying, like, the difference, like, the difference from Coda as opposed to Led Zeppelin One, right. was very, very big. Well, yeah, they didn't. They didn't fall into a genre. They did whatever they wanted. They didn't like being called a rock band. They didn't like. They don't like being called like grandfathers of metal, even though they kind of are. They don't like that. They don't, they didn't want to fall into a thing. They just did their own thing most of the time. They have like weird country songs, you know? They have all kinds of stuff all over the place. Sure. They just sure. wrote songs because they liked it. I don't know. I, I don't really think of their evolution that much. It's just they wrote songs that I either liked or didn't. <laughs> Well, that's that's kind of what I'm saying is that like you know when you think about them, they their evolution of being one of, if not the best rock band of their generation. It's like it was so short lived, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you're okay with that because they defied a generation. You know, they they sort of made people step back and say, oh my goodness, this is a whole different level. Mm. You know, and you and I have come home in the car sometimes and just played their greatest hits. And like, it, it's interesting for me because to see you and knowing you for so long, to see you listen to a rock band like Zeppelin and sort of keep rocking out to it after all these years, it's like that obviously meant something to you right. for years. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, we listen to that same album every night for the entire summer. It's kind of burned into my mind at this point. Right. But but then again, I'll take very long breaks from stuff like that, like years without listening to Zeppelin or listening to anything that I listened to for a long time. Right. And then I'll come back to it, you know? I did. I did that recently. It was like I went back to that album like mm. a week or two ago after telling this story to 
one of my coworkers, and I was like, oh, now I got to listen to that because now it's stuck in my head. <laughs> and uh, I did that with another thing recently, too. Like, I think it was Corn. Corn mm. was one of my favorite bands when I was like 15, 16, you know, going through a rebellious phase. I could see that. Which I haven't really grown out of. Really? Um, <laughs> but no, like, Corn was my favorite band because they were the heaviest, weirdest, craziest thing you could find on the radio. Because I didn't really have the internet growing up. So there, there was all this music out there that I didn't really knew it, know existed. Right. And, uh, you know, they were the weirdest thing I could find on the radio that really kind of spoke to me, I guess. So. And then I kind of grew out of it after a while. That that's right around when I started getting introduced to the more punk stuff that was more underground ish from one of my friends. And then I got into all that and rejected all the radio stuff that was too, you know, mainstream or whatever. And then I got all, you know, weird about telling people that their music was trash because they listened to stuff that was on the radio. <laughs> and now I don't do that anymore because, you know, that's just a Which bad is, thing. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a cold bold face lie i get told all the time that my music i only do that to you because it's fun (laughs) (laughs) but uh going back to what i was asking you earlier about the uh getting into the bass guitar um you know obviously you had your influences so when you started getting into bass what made you say hey that's gonna be my instrument this is what i'd (laughs) like to do it's a stupid reason because my younger brother, he wanted to play guitar and he was going to do it. And I was like, well, I want to play too, but if we're going to play together, we're going to have to start a band, but we're going to need a bassist, so I'll just play bass. It was that easy. It was that simple. Yeah. Like, I didn't care. I'll just, I'll play bass, whatever. I'm never going to find a bassist, so. <laughs> right. So when you. I didn't really care. So when it happened, you kind of got hooked on it. Yeah, I mean, I started playing it. And it just, then we could play together. And uh, we would learn the same song. We actually worked it out with our guitar, our teacher. He would just do an hour long lesson with both of us in the same room. We'd both learn like whatever the same, whatever we were learning, we learned the same thing. Right. I would just learn the bass part to it. Like we'd pick a song, we'd learn it, he'd teach it to both of us. And I think that made a huge difference in how we played together because we always played really, really well together. It was kind of weird like hard to describe but i think it was more like a brother connection like um we just kind of knew what we were gonna what we were thinking you know and we could play off each other really well sure sure wow but yeah it was it was fun it was, uh, it was an interesting thing and i don't play anymore <laughs> that's not true stop lying to the audience <laughs> Actually, that is not true i've been i've been trying to play a little bit more lately more. So, you know, for for those who don't know the story, you know, towards the tail end of Soda, Corey was kind of starting to get into building guitars, and I, I wouldn't say the tail end. I guess it was kind of right in the middle. No, it was the beginning of Soda, but it was the tail end of me being in it. <laughs> right. So, like, you started building guitars, or getting the idea, I guess, to to say, look, I am a decent craftsman. I know how to make a shape. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. When you started doing or having those sort of thoughts, was there a process between 
sort of the end of the band and coming to the realization that, oh, I think I can make this sort of shape and, you know, sort of make it unique and maybe my thing? Or was it always a, it was always like a constant, like you always had an idea to, uh, to, to sort of do what you did? Did you always have an idea of what you wanted to do for when you started building those types of things? No. I just wanted to build one and see how it went. It's kind of... I had an idea in general what I wanted to do with the first one. Right. And it was a very specific idea that didn't pan out. And it's still kind of stuck in the back of my mind that I'm going to redo eventually when I, I don't know, when I get around to it. But, but not really. I just wanted to build one because I wanted an electric guitar but didn't really want to shell out all the money for it. I was like, I bet you I could build one cheaper than buying one, which you can't. That's almost impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Plus all the time and effort you put into it. And especially and with one. you, because you're so articulate when it comes to detail and like how you want things to get done. You know, you're, yeah. you're not somebody that just writes everything off. You go into... Right, I try to think about every detail. Right. But the first few were not like that. I was still trying to figure it out. Now it's it's different now. I look at it through like a different lens, really. Because now I have a process and I have, there are certain things I will do on all of them and there are certain things I just do for certain models or whatever. Hmm. But I didn't have that before. It was just like, well, maybe I should do this or that, or it was just all of these options just out there. And I didn't, like, I knew enough about the instruments, but not enough to really put it together in my mind. I don't know. It's hard to explain. But Which brings up a question of, you know, what, what you and I were chatting about a while ago. I sent you a message on Instagram about the uh, Jag stain, which if, oh, yeah. if you know, if you don't know, Kurt Cobain from Nirvana had an idea to mix a few different models together for a certain guitar that he wanted, which was left-handed, and eventually he ended up patenting it at his, as his model, and he used it for a lot of shows. And now Fender has re-released that model in a certain amount of, uh, or a certain color, I believe. You know, there, there's there's only mm. one type of, uh, of shape or whatever. But, you know, we've had conversations about Fender in the past. When you think about, like, Kurt's legacy and how he sort of wanted to make a certain shape his own you have your beefs with fender or not beefs i should say but you have you have you have you have your quandaries and and your questions about like the quality of what they do when you think about him and his sort of idea to make a a custom sort of guitar what what did you think about that when i when i sent you that video for me personally i was very interested I thought it was an interesting story. I mean, I hate that shape. I think the thing's freaking hideous, but really? <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. I don't like Mustangs at all. Like Jaguars or Jazzmasters, those are basically the same shape, I think. Oh. There's just different. There's slightly 
slight differences. The shape is the same, but there's just differences in hardware and whatever uh, between the Jazzmaster and the Jaguar, I believe. But the Mustang, I think it's just ugly. Um, but I, I don't have any problems with fenders. It's just that I'm sick and tired of looking at strats. And everybody telling me that the Strat was the greatest guitar ever. It's really not. The Strat, um, if you know the history of the company, it makes a whole lot more sense. Because Leo Fender never even learned how to play guitar. He was a manufacturer. He was a manufacturing genius, basically. And he just saw an opening in the market where he's like, well, I can build an instrument faster than anybody else and cheaper and it can make thousands of them and he did and he made the most iconic instruments of all time because of that but they were never meant to be the highest quality the whole point was for them to be modular like if you broke your neck on a guitar at the time your guitar had to go to an expensive repair person because all necks were glued in at the time or they were neck throughs but he was like, well, you could just bolt them on. And if you break your neck, I'll just sell you a new neck and slap it in. No problem. Because they didn't fit them specifically to each neck and body like they do now. But <clears throat> everything's also CNC made now. So everything, you could take the neck out of any other, any strat and put it into a different, different guitar and different body. And because fit. I was going to ask you, because like, you know, when I got my Aria, which was a heavy heavy guitar body you know it sort of modeled itself off of a gibson which is not yep, as heavy. so you know when you think about these mm. sort of side companies that try to replicate you know what what these other the, what the people who did it first have done what do you what do you, what is your opinion on that when it comes to sort of trying to reinvent the wheel and essentially you know when it comes well, to going to the same model um, I think if you're going to buy something that looks like that, just buy the original, <laughs> you're going to buy it. I mean, obviously there's companies that make them cheaper. It's just like, Oh, it's this look, but it's, you know, a third of the price. I get that. Not everybody can afford an expensive instrument, but absolutely. That's the, that's the problem. Guitarists are always broke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's there's plenty of guys that do custom work, but they just do copies of strats and tellies and you know stuff like that. It's like why why would you? Because then now you're spending twice as much on something like that. I'm sure it's nice, but it's like, just go buy a Fender. And if you have the skills to build an instrument like that that's that high quality, come up with something original. Yeah. Not saying that those guys are doing anything wrong. It's just it's boring. It's been done. Everybody right. does it. Everybody's done it. And and that's why, you know, in my opinion, I'm not trying to toot your own horn, but it's like when you make me a shape, I look at that and I'm like, okay, that's Corey's design. That's his thing. And I mean, I don't think my shapes are particularly like, they're not anything mind-blowing or different. Or, I mean, they're still very much based on typical guitar shapes. You can only do so much with it. Oh, for sure. Where, because yeah. once you start getting too weird, it's like too artsy and strange, and the people don't like it. But then if it's too close to what already exists, people are like, "Well, that's already that already exists," <laughs> you know. 
So it's hard because things it and make it your own. In a certain, right, exactly. And, and things, things have just been done before, you know, especially for me as a right. musician, it's hard for me to sort of be like, okay, how am I going to write the song and make it different? Right. If yeah. you're already in a genre, everything's already been written. There's only so many notes. For you can sure. only do so much. Right. There's only so many words that rhyme. <laughs> And like so many topics to write a song about. It's like if you're in this, if you're already in this lane, you're not going to write a song that's way out of left field about something weird. Tom DeLonge's already doing that. Stop it. (laughs) Sheesh. You haven't even, okay. You have not even listened to the new Lifeforms album. Don't pretend that you know what you're talking about. No. No, you don't know what you're talking about. Life forms, no. okay, go check it out, it's people. About it's one of the new. I'm sure it's good. I'm just just pushing your button. I'm gonna need you to go listen to it and give me a real opinion. I'm sure it's actually pretty good, but honestly, my point, the point I was trying to make yes, is that if you're okay, already man. with it, if you're already a punk artist, you're already do, writing punk songs. He's putting you're it not in gonna quotes, write something, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Quotes. <laughs> you're not gonna. Just write a song about, I don't know, I can't even think of a different topic. Punk songs are very simple. They're either political or they're very personal or yeah. something along those lines. You're not going to, you're not, they're not going to write a concept album about molecules. No. <laughs> you know, it's going to stick within a certain lane. It's so there's really... only so much you're going to do. You could do that and maybe you'd get really famous. Maybe you should try writing a concept punk album about molecules. I'm sorry. I'm not sure if you realize, but I don't do that sort of thing. You can't even spell molecule. I can't even spell concept. (laughs) Also true. So, well, on that subject, let me ask you a question about punk because it's such a unique genre. When you think about the whole ethos and, you know, the atmosphere of like what it means to people. Do you think that punk, because I've often thought about how punk tells a concept and it tells a concept to where like you tell a story within an album. Do you think that that is more powerful than say just maybe a random EP from, uh, I, I don't even know, name, name a punk band like Fugazi or, you know, uh, Moon Men to Mars, it, like it, it, the list goes on and on and on of like who's trying to do punk these days. But do you think I mean, there's it depends. a huge difference? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are certain bands like take Alkaline Trio for instance. They have their thing. They kind of I don't I don't want to say that they're horror punk. They're not. They used to be more just dark themes. They had their their thing. Their their themes, you know. Sure. And you take like bad religion, for instance, very political, very you know, anti-religion or whatever. I mean, take a <laughs> song. Like they, take a song they, from. They talked uh, about their. Take a song from the Alkaline Trio, like "Stupid Kid." Right. That could tell a story. But like every every album came from such a different time period in, in their lives, told a different part of their the story of their life. You Absolutely. know, but every. Every band has their thing, has their shtick, really. You know what I mean? Shtick. But then you have um, so many bands. That some some bands just write songs, and then other bands write albums. There's a difference. Sure. And, there's, and it's not necessarily a concept album, you know. 
Because hmm. I, I've, Oops. you know, I'm I'm doing this documentary, uh, and which, you know, we've talked about it. You're going to be involved with it. You know, as far if people don't know Corey's, if anybody was going to do bass on this new EP that I'm doing or EP or whatever album, whatever it turns out to be, I would never have anybody else to the bass but Corey. I'm what just, if John Paul Jones called you and it's like, I'll do the bass? He's 105 years old. You yeah, really, but what if he did? No, he doesn't know me. <laughs> Can I finish what I was that's, saying? Why do you keep interrupting? That's because that's my job. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, I, I, I think about personally this EP slash album soundtrack, whatever you would like to call it, is kind of a history of of me from start to finish. And you know, it's when you think about concept albums and about albums that have like a story or you know from from this to that, I feel like this could be a glorified concept album. If we really, really wanted to do it, if you start from the arc of of where I came from, you know, it, it, it's it kind of goes into that sort of thing. What are you? <laughs> do, do that again. Do it again. Ready? <laughs> Is that gonna be your thumbnail? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but um, sorry, I don't know what you were saying. I was too busy distracting myself. No, I was telling you about. <laughs> The whole soundtrack slash EP to or whatever you want to call it, It, depending on how many songs it comes down to to this documentary. Six. That's a good question for you. (laughs) What is what's like digestible for you? Like, do you think six is good? Do you think ten is good? Throwing out a number. But if you like, if you as a person said. This is too many songs. This is not as many as I wanted. I mean, it depends on the the time frame. The time frame. Yeah, I mean, it, if you got if you're saying like I got six to ten songs, but we've got another year or so to figure this out. Yeah, I mean that's doable. Right. Or if you're like I need six songs done in a week, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you to pound say. <laughs> Which is why I've n- I haven't put a date on this thing yet. You know, where it's exactly yeah, well, you know, keep everything it, open ended. You're better off that way. And you you know Cal personally, so it's like yep. I want him to have the time to be able to do his thing and sort of get it right the way that he wants to get it right. You know, he's very articulate, and you know, particular when it comes to what he's doing. Uh, through videography or, you know, photography or whatever you would like to call it. So I'm hoping that I can sort of let him get in his own lane while trying to tell my story. So, you know, he'll he'll put his spin on it. I know that for sure. But um, one thing I wanted to ask you was I was on Facebook the other day and I think I read something that you had posted about... Uh, rating a certain album and i don't know if this was the metallica album or oh, not oh yeah it was about the metallica black album yeah talk to me about i that. saw a meme i saw a meme it was um it was a simpsons meme 
where Bart's holding he's holding the black album. He's like, This is the worst Metallica album I've ever heard. And Homer leans and it's like the worst Metallica you've heard worst Metallica album you've heard so far. <laughs> and um I had a point about that. It's like yeah, Metallica's albums kinda got a little weird after that and you know, people give the black album a lot of crap. But I agree. I was offering my perspective on it as somebody who was only three years old when that album came out. So start, you weren't even born yet. So start from the <laughs> start from the beginning. Like when you when you think about giving your opinion right around that time from start to finish. Well, uh, because for those who don't know, the Black Album for Metallica fans, you know, was a very controversial and different approach to well, that's their the normal music. That's my point. For Metallica fans that were there when they released their first album, their second, third, fourth, whatever, until the Black Album came out, mm. they're like Metallica was a thrash metal band. And very well, they weren't hugely successful actually until the Black Album. They had their following and they were doing well. They weren't huge. They weren't huge until the Black Album came out. But then all their real fans said they sold out. They changed their sound. They got light, you know. But from my perspective, as somebody who was very young when this album came out and didn't really start listening to them for another until like another 10 years from that point, like that's who Metallica always was. That was their biggest album. It's still one of the highest selling albums of all times. It's still on the charts. Especially now, after their Right, that's what, what I'm saying. That's 40th what I mean. anniversary? It's still uh, 30th. 30th, 30th. Excuse me. Right. Because they just released that the Blacklist tribute album. Right. But that's who they've always been. Right? So but- they were never they never sold out to me. It's like this was always their popular stuff that was always on the radio. This is who they were. And then from that point, I went back to see their older stuff and said, oh, okay, they have all these other great albums. So on that but note, then they also had, you know, I'm going to interrupt you for reload. a second. So on that note, while we're on that subject, when you think about Kill 'em All, which was what, their first album? Their first album. Yeah. So when you think about their popularity, even back then, Kill 'em All, which was arguably one of their best you know when you think about the difference from that to where they are now it's very different it's very different but like even back then their popularity wasn't as strong they weren't huge no they weren't they were still playing very small clubs they had a loyal following they were doing okay yeah but they were not huge by any means and then the black album came out and that's where they they hit their mainstream success Right. And got a lot of radio play. They weren't getting radio play on their other stuff. Um, I mean, my favorite album is Injustice. Injustice for All. Just, Absolutely. Justice for All is my favorite album. It's the year I came, I was born. That's the year it came out. And I, that has no correlation with why it's my favorite. But What, was, what year was that? 1972? Uh, 1888. <laughs> right. Right when Lincoln was uh, about to say yes. What? <laughs> So yes, sir, your mother. Okay. <laughs> does, does your mom listen to this? <laughs> Sometimes. Well, okay. I'm going to I'm going to warn her and be like, "Hey, listen, <laughs> mom, I hate to tell you, Corey's been on some uh, medication lately. He's got problems. He's got a hat with a propeller, has lights on it, you know what I'm saying? He needs a lot of help." Okay? Just give him a I break. I need help. <laughs> Anyways. 
I feel like we were having an important discussion until that. <laughs> um, uh, so, anyways, anyways, Metallica, not the my Black Album. Band. Yes, go ahead. The Black Album. They're not my favorite, but I mean, I will get on the soapbox every once in a while about this, just because it is controversial and annoying. But it's like the thing is, it's what you want. You want a band to get mainstream success. But then, you know, all the, the real true fans are like, well, you sold out. But what you really want is that other people to enjoy what you like. You want other people to be like, this band is really cool. You want those people to show up at their concerts. You want more. You want success for these people that have given you so much enjoyment. Well, let, you me, know? Um, let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this question. Because you and myself were around for the MySpace era. So mm, barely. I was never on MySpace. <laughs> I was. <laughs> That's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. For MySpace. <laughs> what do you mean? Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't trigger me. <laughs> stupid. No, but like right around that time, Metallica was sort of telling people, hey, look, we're not going to just dole out our music so that you people can listen to it for free. They kind of were the first right. people to be like, you know, we need to go on record as saying, if you want to listen to this music, you absolutely need to pay full price and right. go the distance to get it. You I think what happened there was really important and critical for how we listen to music now. Absolutely. And absolutely. I think as annoying as Lars can be, he was right. He was 100% right. He's like, this is going to ruin the music industry. And guess what it has? Oh, sure. Absolutely. But and it's but it's also changed it in, in a lot of ways for the better. And they're not the same uh, band. They're not the same band that they were no. even back then. You know, things. But I different. think a lot, at the time, a lot of people were like, well, what do you care? You're already, you know, millionaires. You're making tons of money. What do you care? It's not about that. It's he was about like, the art. He, wants, he wanted people to listen to the music. Sure. But he wanted, he wanted it the best way for everybody else too. It's, he wasn't just thinking about himself. No, it's about but the art. It's all LimeWire and Napster and all that did. They changed everything. Yeah. They might've done it the wrong way, but now, I mean, technology was going to advance anyways, but the, the streaming services we have now are fantastic and you can access any song anytime you want. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's, it's changed to where, like, you – yeah. I mean, we've talked about social media on this podcast a thousand times. But in this era, it's like, you know, everything is such a drive-through experience to where it's yeah. accessible it, anywhere. It, it has some pros and cons. Sure. Like I said, you have access to any song, anytime, whenever you want, which is great. But when you didn't – go out and spend your hard-earned money as a 12 or 13-year-old on a physical copy of an album, it doesn't have the same effect. You don't right. hold that as special right? in right. the same way, which is like at the time when you were buying those like physical CDs or cassette tapes or whatever, and you carried them all around in a backpack, you, put, you pop that into your Walkman or whatever, yeah. and you listen to the whole album. And you got really familiar with it because you had to. 
you didn't have the option to be like, well, I'm bored of this. I'm going to jump to anything else. <laughs> 90%, I would say most people now have music on their phone. They put it on shuffle and they just go. And you might skip a song. Like, I don't feel like this one right now. And you keep skipping until you find something you like. But back then you put a CD in. You're like, you know what? I feel like listening to this CD. Most people didn't listen to one song and sweat, swap them out every song, you know? I mean, we at some point we did start making mixed CDs. Did you ever burn your own oh, CDs? Oh, absolutely. All the time. Oh, uh, yeah. That was my a good sisters, time. you know, not to interrupt your story, but my sisters, Bethany and Carrie, they were the queens of making mixtape CDs. Like, yep. they had every single song from that decade on. I can remember in. Yeah, whatever year the song came out, but it was like, hey, must be yeah. the money. That's when I started listening yeah. to the radio and stuff like that. It's like all the popular songs that were hot then in the early 2000s. Every year they yeah. were on it. And yeah, and... one of my. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say one of my friends, um, Hannah, was like that. She she would just like make. Yes. Make CDs for everybody. Like, that's how I discovered a lot of music, too. She was like always listening to something different and new. And it's like just give you a mix CD. And that's how I discovered like Coheed and Cambria. And like, I had no idea that Claudio was a man. I was like, what is this? This is a, she's sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then found out that there was a dude and I was like, Oh, okay. Right. That's interesting. And then they became one of my favorite bands of all time. <laughs> but like, that's, that's at the time, that's how you discovered new stuff. It's like your friends would just burn you something and give you a CD and, like sometimes they'd write it all on the face of the CD and wouldn't fit or something, or you just, they just give you a CD that says mix CD 17. And here you go. Listen to this. Right. It was, it was fun times. So it was let, a different, so different time. On that subject, let me ask you about this because, you know, no disrespect, but you're, you know, you're slightly older than myself. I feel disrespected. When it comes to how accessible things are nowadays, like is it is it more satisfying now as a person who has gone through the the whole this whole start for, start to finish from like like you said you listen to tapes and now from tapes to like Apple right. Music, are you pleased with the way that things are going now I or are you happy that it's more I think for me I think it's great because I wouldn't want to go back to that, to having CDs no, and carrying all that never around. Having to go to the stores and stuff like that. And I, but I appreciate, you know, rifling through CDs and, sure. and a rack in a store. Sure. And I appreciate that experience. And I think it made me appreciate music more. And I honestly, I feel bad for like my kids. And like <laughs> the instant. So do I. The, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but for real, the instant access they have to just about everything, it just like from TV shows to music to just, you know, video games to everything, they just have instant access to all of it, you know? And it's not doing anything for their uh, attention spans, <laughs> you know? Right. It's like, we had to explain that to my son one time. He's 10. And we're like, yeah, back when we were kids, we couldn't just pull out our phone and say, I want to listen to this song and you just search it, find it, and click no. on it. It's like you sat in front of the radio all day and you hoped they played it. 
and you had a blank tape in there. You were waiting for them to play it. When they did, you hit record. You usually miss the first five to ten seconds of the song, or they're talking over it, and they just ruined it. And this, his mind just went, boom. he was like, what? How did you live like that? Like, oh we didn't gosh. know anything else. Absolutely. It, was, it's... it was life. It was normal. It's just what you did. <laughs> and you had to do it. Like, if you, okay, for those who don't know, before cell phones, you had to put a VHS, yes, a VHS tape into a, uh, help me. VHS player? Is that what it's called? I don't know. Oh, yeah, sure. So, like, you you had to get it ready to record, and then you were, okay, perfect example, 2008 championships for the Celtics. I'm in middle school at the time. Let's think about this. Uh, I'm in middle school. My mother lets me stay up every single night of the championships because she loves sports just as much as I do. And I still have every single game from when the Celtics started to play in the beginning and then to the end. They, you have it all on VHS I somewhere? Have, I have all of it. Nice. Yeah. All of it. So it's like, um, it's 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 not, you know, it, it's kind of like, did you ever get into the new tone era? Like, you had one little box. Okay, like, like say you had picture, I don't even know. The biggest iPod that you can think of, about ten times bigger. You put a little GameCube CD that was about this big of episodes. You could put one disc in and watch two episodes of SpongeBob on a new mm, tone. This does not sound familiar to me. No. It was a little bit after you, but it's like the yeah, things that we that had to sounds... go through back then yeah. in order to get content. It's like there wasn't any mm. YouTube. There was no such thing yeah. as YouTube. But I remember, like back in the day, like. The late in the '90s and early 2000s, people would in their living room would have a like a a bookshelf full of tapes. Yes, just like movies. It's like this is my collection of movies. <laughs> you go into anybody's living room right now, they do not have that. Oh no, no. And then for a while, it was like this is my collection of DVDs. Nobody has that anymore because it's all on Netflix or Hulu or Disney or whatever. It's, it's available and it's yeah. I'm happy and, about it. It's very different from when Gloria and I were younger, but it's a lot easier. Like I said, I'm I'm excited about you know technology moving forward, and I'm very happy with the experiences that I've had and how that's shaped how I feel about music and things. Because I don't feel like kids will have the same attachment to music right. that we did. Because this, when you didn't have to go through that amount of effort. It's like, oh, my favorite band just dropped a new album and it, it released today. You had to go you know, beg your mom to drive you to the store, hope you had 10, 12 bucks or whatever to buy it, hope it was still in stock. <laughs> and if it wasn't, like, oh, can we go to another store, mom, please? Can we go to the mall? And, you know, and she goes, you think gas is free? <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. So, like, the, the amount of effort you had to go through just to get something that you liked when now it's like I don't even have to leave my house. I buy everything on Amazon now. It's so, amazing, and I so, love that. So kind of switching, <laughs> switching gears here. Jeff Bezos. I want to ask you <laughs> this because I know I know for a fact, and believe me, ladies and gentlemen, I know Corey a long time. I know for a fact that he has an opinion to this. 
<clears throat> I have an opinion on everything. Did you it's usually wrong? Did you watch the new Boba Fett trailer? Is there a new a new one? Like how what? new? It just know. it came out. It just came out today. Oh well, then no, I didn't even or the know day that. Earlier. So. Okay, 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 okay. Well, I'm not going to give anything away, but the new trailer for the Boba Fett series is out, and ladies and gentlemen, there is a difference between trying to make things great and trying to polish a turd. This is going to be one of the grid ones. This is going to be one of the good ones, and I, I, I can't I, honestly. Whenever it, Corey gets a chance to watch this trailer, uh, yeah. I'll be excited to hear his opinion on it. Yeah, I'll watch that right after this. Um, I didn't realize there there was something. I will say, uh, James, to- James, and I talk about this frequently because you know we work together. Whatever. Um, we're all nerds. Just yeah, but it's like we're <laughs> constantly talking about the new, the next Star Wars thing or whatever. But yes, we're just we're very happy right now that it's As in such I. good hands. Yes, you know, with Favreau and uh, what's the other guy's name? Filoni. That doesn't. That's almost Favreau. What was it? Filoni, Dave Filoni. No, Filoni. Yeah, Dave Filoni. Filoni is that his name? Yeah. It's uh, now it sounds wrong, but yeah, it's probably <laughs> wrong. Whatever the other guy's name is, John Nobody Favreau, cares. Dave Filoni. I think that's right. Either way, I think it's I'm in right. good hands because those two dudes <laughs> are nerds. They are not worried about making money. They're, worried they're not about worried about a paycheck. They're not worried getting about getting it right. That's what they're worried about. Adding, you know, current politics or whatever to it. They're worried about the story. They love Star Wars because yes. they grew up with it. They know the stuff back to front. They wrote half the stuff. This has nothing to hands. do with trying to be a part of society. It's right. It's its own thing, and there's a reason that they were chosen to continue the line. Is because they're getting right. it right. It's in good hands, and I am excited for the future of Star Wars. Well, I know. mean, Star Wars is a cash cow, and Disney has realized that. Sure. And I should be upset about this, but at the same time, I'm never. I'm going to keep watching it, everything they put out, and I'm not going to complain. <laughs> no, I mean, especially since but you know what, it's a cash cow, and they can cash in because they can have my cash. <laughs> I agree. That's what I'm saying. It's like you know, you and I were as much as the prequels were sort of like. You know, as you've said before, you like when you came into the prequels, you were skeptical because you thought it was going to be trash. It's not going to be like the old days. But at the same time, you were willing to go see it because your yeah, reputation um, was so good. The thing with the prequels was when the first one, when Episode One came out in ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yep. I was eleven, so I thought it was great, and I was four at the time. <laughs> yeah, you are Corey's a lot older than me. He's very elderly. <laughs> what that seven years? Um, yeah, I thought the episode one was great. We saw it in the theater. It's fantastic. I still love it. I mean, it has its issues, and I have my you know whatever Jar Jar Banks. Sure. Nobody. I think we can all agree that it's terrible. Terrible but, character. Um, Amusing, um, but terrible. I think that, well, like I have this discussion with James as well because James is a few years younger than you, 
And, and his passion is for the prequels, which is where right. he started. We, which, which is we've fine, talked about. exactly. Which is my theory with well, when you come into a band. If, like, if you started listening to a band on their third album, that's going to be your favorite, and you're going to go back. No matter what, that album's going to be your favorite, because that's what got you mm. into it. Same thing. Right. He started with the prequels. Those are going to be his favorite. It's fine. I have no problem with that. The prequels are fine on their own. Are they perfect? No. But you know what? I'm an old man. You can't knock them anymore. Right. No, not anymore <laughs> because they, uh, the sequels ruined everything. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, episode seven is great. I'm going to just say that that I was agree. fantastic. I that agree. That was fine. I agree. They started. They have had the right trajectory. And then Kathleen Kennedy came in. And ruined everything. And we hate her. <laughs> Yeah, well, she she ruined everything by I don't know that's that's a whole podcast in itself. Oh but. please, yeah. Where do you begin on that one? But you don't. You know, we just leave that alone. It, it's it's always great to talk to you about this sort of thing because you know when you you had a great insight from the beginning, kind of essentially, you know, the prequels were not your first experience with Star Wars. You saw the original three, and you got to form an opinion, and now we're moving forward to back to those days where, you know, you go back to see where Jabba the Hutt came from. You go back to see, yep. you know, what what's going on with the Boba Fett series. You know, it's it's right. nice to, to see that with you because you started from that era, and now it's like, it's a whole new chapter for you personally. Right. Yeah. I'm very excited about all of this. It's going to be cool. Did you see that uh, Hayden Christensen was announced to be in the Ahsoka yes. series and the Obi-Wan series? I was very so, happy to hear that. I didn't was a, know a he was going to be in the Ahsoka series. Yeah. There was a picture leaked of him. It's a recent picture in dressed as Anakin, not as Vader. So there's going to be like flashbacks no when he's not. So uh, yeah, I don't know when he, the Ahsoka series is set. It takes place after Return of the Jedi, so that would make sense okay. that he's a force. So ghost. all anything that he's going to be in is going to be flashbacks, or he yes. could come back as a force ghost. But either way, he's in it, and that's actually exciting, dude. So that's it, pretty it's, great. It's it's nice because you know, and like we just said, you know, you can trash on the prequels all you want. My personal opinion. I didn't think that the acting in that mo- in those movies were that bad. I thought Hayden Christensen did a pretty decent job. When you really break it down, he played it perfectly. He did. He 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 played it perfectly. Yeah. It's it the it was the dialogue and the scripting that was a little iffy. That's the problem. But he played the character perfectly. Would you call it like not almost cheesy, but almost too predictable? Maybe, but I mean, it's like we already know what the story is. Right. So, um, right. Oh, this is this is something I've been doing recently. I somehow fell down this black hole on YouTube. Like, I found people as we all that are. Yeah, it happens. YouTube is a scary place sometimes. It's a gateway drug. (laughs) Basically, uh, people post like this is the first time I ever watched this movie and it's like it's a reaction, reaction to watching videos. the movie for the first time. Sure. Right, yeah, reaction videos. Yeah. And 
it's they're usually like a thirty minute video of somebody watching Star Wars for the first time. And it's like I started watching those. Like, wait a second, how has no how have people still not seen this? It's like okay, maybe maybe you never saw it. Fine, you know who Darth Vader is, right? I was watching this one, and this girl, she's like, I've never seen Star Wars before. I don't really know anything about it. I'm like, how? Star Wars is so deeply ingrained in pop culture at this point. Everybody knows who it's a like, household name. Are. Right. So she started by watching A New Hope, like you do. She's like, she figured out that she's going to watch it in release order. Smart. And like, Darth Vader comes on the screen. She's like, is is that that Darth Vader? I don't know. And like, like how do you not know who Darth <laughs> Vader is? So like, she literally didn't know who any of the characters were. She didn't know, you know, that Luke and Leia brother and sister and that vader was their father i'm like how do you not this is such so deeply ingrained in pop culture in general that everybody that hasn't even seen it knows this and it's just kind of blew my mind a little bit but maybe it's just because i like it too much (laughs) it's it was just it's like our generation and now and further is into the story so I, i mean but i think it's funny that the generation after mine, who is going to see episodes seven, eight, and nine as their first right. movies, they have that sort of, you know, uh, uh, not training, but like they sort of um, start to the whole series as right. something that's brand new. When to us, it's like we watch it from the beginning. And we right. know all the facts that go into this. It's such a huge right. franchise. Well, like like Seamus, his first, his favorite Star Wars movie is Episode Seven, and I can't fault him for that because it's kind of where he came into it. Absolutely. Like he'd seen all the other ones before that, but in, but trying to watch the original trilogy with like an eight or nine year old, it's actually pretty slow and boring. It's too slow. It's too it's slow. Ex- it's too for the attention span of a modern ten year old. Yes. They can't handle it. And even for me, he Corey, likes them. I feel he loves the same them and he way. can watch it, but it's just yeah. I feel the same way. Like if I wasn't a fan through and through, I wouldn't sit through those movies. I still I can't actually do it now either. I know myself. Like Be- we've tried to recently and I kinda of fall asleep during them like Dude. I've seen this literally a thousand times. And it's like, okay, we've seen this before. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, it's like I know exactly what's going to happen. I don't know why we're even watching. Right, because it's not going to recite this entire movie line for line. So you know, it's not like the old days where you watched a movie and it was embedded in your brain, and then six mm. years later they come out with a sequel or a teaser or whatever. It's like, okay, I'm excited. Yeah, you know, it's it's very 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 different, very different. But so. You know, not to detract from what we were talking about, but when you think about going into these new series, is there any outcome that you would like to see? You know, as far as like the end of the story, like, do you think that they're going to tie it all together with maybe the Bad Batch or, you know, uh, new episodes of uh, Um, the Clone Wars? I mean, I know they're going to tie them all together really nicely and put a nice bow on it, but I'm going to try to go into it with as little expectation as possible. Sure. Which is how I, I tried to do it with the, the sequels. Like I, 
when they were coming out, I avoided pretty much all of the trailers and spoilers because I just wanted to go in into it as unbiased as possible. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I have like some hopes and expectations for it, I suppose. But um, I don't know. I'm just gonna go in into it with an open mind. Really? Try to be as very interesting since you're uh, trigger, yeah. triggered all the time. I'm not. You're you're the one that's triggered all the time. In my old age, I'm trying to be more wise. Really? Well, you know what? Try <laughs> and harder. And open-minded. Try okay, harder. I will. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> kind, of my, kind of my last little segment before I wrap this up. Um, you know, you, as people know, you've been there from the beginning when we started Soda and and stuff like that. So, in those early years, what kind of sticks out to you the most if you think about it? Like, did what was there a certain time where like it was the best? Like, like was there, yeah. were there certain stories where you like like for me personally? For those who don't know, you know, to be with Corey and George in those early years, for me, as a kid who you know, whose parents were on different paths and like they did different things. It's like, I didn't have a whole lot of family, but when Corey came into the picture, I got a family that I was so happy to get. And plot twist. I'm actually your dad. And uh, yeah, right. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You're not old. Okay. Stop pretending. I'm old enough to be your dad. You made me lose my train of thought. I don't even remember what I was talking about. What's wrong with you? Jeez. I can't help it. Anyway, so yeah, it was it was great for me to have sort of this family that uh you know I could always have good times with and me personally I will always remember you know going to get pizza, you know, hanging mm. out after uh having Some of my fires. favorite memories. But that was gonna ask you, that's are, what I was gonna uh, ask you, is that like like when when you think about that time, what was your favorite? Um when George would show up, he'd bring some treehouse that I hadn't had yet, and we'd put on the disco ball party light and just jam spacey riffs for like fifteen yes. minutes straight. Oh Those were the gosh. best. You got the fog fog machine going, spacey riffs. Dude, he was so good at that. That was the best. That's the best. And, and and you know, I always keep that in my head whenever I write something nowadays. It's like Back in those times, we were writing stuff without even knowing we were writing it. It's just stuff that just came out because of the mood, you know. Jams. Absolutely. Wherever the jams take you. What else were you going to say? I I didn't mean to cut you off. I I think that was pretty much it. No, come on. I know you have more stories than that. Like, when you think about those times, what do you remember? You know, like, what actually sticks out to you? Because, like, for me personally, what sticks out to me is... I remember one time in specific. <laughs> this is about my bedtime. I know, I know. We're, we're going to wrap it up. Let me just tell this story. So, I come over. I don't think anything. And... 
Corey at this point, he's still got Shay. He has uh, a couple kids like murking. I don't even know who they are at this point or if they're going to stick around or whatever it is. And you know, I, I don't think anything. I walk in the house. We're playing. We're having a good time. And uh, I asked Corey, I said, who, who are those kids? And <laughs> Corey pulls me aside like some sort of talk show host before the show. He goes, look, I don't want to tell you, but I have to. These are, these are George's kids. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's my favorite story. He says, uh, he says you know, they, they, he, he just got custody. He's going to take care of them. You know, they're going to be here from now on. So just, just, just keep a right head about you. I'm like, oh no, yeah. I feel so bad. I had already texted George and got him in on the joke. <laughs> Tell the rest so, of the story, please. Uh, uh, we have to like start from the beginning. I'm such but, a douche. Uh, we had literally just gotten the twins. Like we had just started doing foster care. It was it was our twins that we have now, and um, they just showed up like. I don't know, maybe a week or so. And I hadn't really told anybody. Obviously, hadn't told Obviously, Sam. you didn't tell me. And uh, I was just like, uh, we should. I was telling Eva, I'm like, we should just tell Sam that these are George's kids. And um, I texted George and told him the whole thing. He was down for the joke. And <laughs> it was the funniest thing. Because um, then at some point, I think you like pulled. George decided, like, dude, I didn't even know you had kids. It's so great. You're gonna be such a good dad. I don't, I don't even remember what what actually happened, but it was the funniest thing. And I think we had you going for at least a couple of days after the fact too. I did pull him aside and I said, "You're gonna be a great dad." I remember that. <laughs> like I just, I had no idea you had kids. It's like, yeah, yeah, man. This, my ex usually has them, but it's like it's my turn to take them for the weekend. It's just, <laughs> this, I mean, this is going well, six years ago now, but and I, it was hilarious. But I was like so sincere. I mean, you know me, dog. I'm such an idiot. I pulled George aside like I'm so, so, some sort of psychiatrist. I'm like, George, it's okay, bro. It's all right. We're all here for it. I you. think no you were problem. like, my dad wasn't around when I was a kid. I'm so glad you could be there for your <laughs> Oh my gosh. Just be there. Just be there for him. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of mean and sad now that I think about it, oh, but it was hilarious well, at the time. I didn't know because it's like <laughs> what's here's the th- here's the thing guys. When you first meet Georgie, before you talk to him, just now. I'm pretty sure he doesn't like being called Georgie. Well, that's I don't need anyone's approval, okay? I, I'm calling him whatever I want. I used to call him Pele. He liked that, I think. No, he doesn't like that. <laughs> Pretty sure that's racist. Before you meet him, know that he's you're not gonna know anything about him, even the first time you meet him, because there's just there's not a lot known about our buddy. No, he he keeps his cards uh, close to his chest. That's right. Jeez. <laughs> All right, we're gonna wrap this thing up. It's time. All right. I'm. It's you know. It's over. I, I appreciate. This is it. gonna be your uh, your best episode, your highest performance because that's me. Oh really? 
Look at your analytics. Every time I'm on, you have the most views. True story. Mm. You want to know why I have the most views? Is because, uh, I don't know, they want to put you in jail for the stuff that you say. I'm pretty sure that's not what it is. Because <laughs> everybody loves me. Who? Everybody. Right. <laughs> ask, ask your mom. Ladies and gentlemen, go check <laughs> out my buddy, Mr. Corey Reynolds, on CRC Customs on Instagram. And uh, what's your Facebook handle? Uh, if you search CRC guitars, you should find me. There's another one, but it's like CRC guitar lessons or something like that. But he's like in the UK. You should be able to. I have the cool guitar pictures on mine, and he doesn't. I win. Right. It's CRC exactly. underscore guitars on Instagram. <clears throat> so, or you can just check out my regular page and look at my cool pictures of myself. Who? A grenade gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> No, go check out his page. Go check out um, all his customs that he has built over the years. Everybody order a guitar and give me a down payment so I can quit my job. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have been getting a little bit of traction, though, right? A little bit lately. I actually had, had somebody orders. message me yesterday about yeah. a guitar. So yeah. That's pretty cool. And I'm, work- I'm still working on some slow right now because I don't have time to do anything because <laughs> I'm usually on podcasts talking about things he's very very busy he's very prestigious when it comes to his art I want to talk about That's one true. more thing before I end I apologize oh geez I thought we were wrapping this up we are we are I just I, just, <laughs> I want a little explanation before we wrap so you and I were talking about guitar picks the other day oh yeah I'm actually holding one right now because this is my favorite one Okay. People in podcast land can't see it, but hey, where is it? Do you see it? Yes. So good. explain what you're what it is that you're showing. Um well I made this pick out of plexiglass that I had. It's quarter inch thick. I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of things about thicker picks online lately and I I was really curious and wanted to try one. But being the type of person that i am i'm not going to spend money on it i'm just going to make it myself yeah which is exactly why i started building guitars like why would i spend money on it when i could probably just make it myself and i can make one in a you know a couple of minutes i mean it takes longer to polish it up and get it nice but um i started just you were explaining you were explaining to me about the science of there's there's a lot of theories and science and i've been testing those things myself like I started out with like this eighth inch thick plexiglass. Mm. Like the science is like, like the really thick ones is that you're not gripping it as tightly as a thin pick. So your forearm isn't as like tight and you don't fatigue as quickly. And so you can also play quicker without, you know, being all tense, which is just good for playing like longer sets and whatever. Yeah. And um, there's this just a lot of stuff like that that's supposed to be really good for you. Like, I've seen people play with, like, things that are, like, three-quarters of an inch or an inch thick, and it just looks absolutely ridiculous, but they love it. They swear by it. So I, I actually have this one that's made out of aluminum. You can see that one. I just made this one the other day. It's three-eighths and that's not, of an inch thick. It's that's ridiculous. not effective to the strings at all? or I mean, it... it it has. Uh, can you see the bevel on it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It actually kind of glides across them. 
good. It doesn't like like a flat pick will literally like pluck the string. This doesn't really pluck them because it kind of glides across it. And it's you'd have to try it. It's hard to explain because especially do it if you're going like up and down really quickly, like right. If you're doing like hyper picking or something like that, it's like it does it so effortlessly because of the smoothed out bevel. <clears throat> it's I really like this this one. The problem was like I was they were slippery, so um, people were getting I was metal trying to come up with a way to add like a grip to it without doing anything crazy. So like this one, I just drilled a hole in it, and you can't; it does not fall out of your fingers even with a light grip. Nice. But I decided I didn't like that because then you kind of lose the <laughs> the thickness of it because this is like a half inch hole. Oh. So your fingers kind of. Gee, are you okay? I was sneezing. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, your fingers kind of fall into it, and it just kind of loses the effect on how thick it is. So I'm, so I actually made this one, where I drilled this like circular pattern into it. See that? Yep. Right like that. There we go. And your your fingers still kind of fall into those little tiny holes, but you still have the, like, the thickness of it, and the the grip on it is amazing. So I'm going to so try to do are, a little bit more of that. Are those going to be on your website eventually as well? Uh, maybe. I'm just kind of prototyping it. I'm going to send them to a couple of my friends that were like really interested in it. And there you go. Just see what they think. And um, if I'm going to you know, if, find out what they like and what they didn't like, and keep prototyping just for fun. I mean, I'm probably not going to make a ton of them, but if people want a them, I will. series. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of... A, can be kind of a pain in the butt. There's nothing that says that I made it out there, so it's just a piece of plastic. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, or metal. Or... So to wrap this up, do yourself a favor. Go check out CRC Guitars. Go check him out on Facebook, on Instagram. He's got some videos up. He's got some pictures of uh, stuff that he has remodeled and, and made. And... Uh, Eventually, we're going to be talking about the Boba Fett series. So, yeah, tune in for that opinion. <laughs> as far as it'll I'm be concerned. a hot, fresh take. Sure, I can't. <laughs> honestly, I can't wait for like. We should just have a watch party, like where you know we just binge the whole thing. <laughs> you, me, and James. Oh, if they release it episode like by episode, they won't be able to do that. Well, either way, they I'm drop down. the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll watch the first episode together. That'd be fun. <sighs> Noise. Yeah. Sure. All right, kid. Hey, this has been a Why Are You Laughing podcast. Go check out CRC Guitars. Go check out my page on YouTube. Capital T H E capital C L A P P A N A T E R. The Clappinator. And uh, go check out my new videos. I got. A new song out called Brain Damage. And this has been a Why You Laughing Podcast. We are clear.